0: Hello and welcome to the Grow CFO Show. I'm your host, Kevin Appleby, and today I'm with Catherine Clark. Catherine, hello and welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Kevin. Hi, thank you for having me on today. Thank you. Uh,
0: Catherine, you're a, a coach and a mentor, but and we're going to talk about mentoring today, but how did you become a mentor when you've been an accountant in the past?
1: Well, (laughs) I I guess for me, it was a very natural progression. Um, I started sort of my career at KPMG, qualified as a chartered accountant, um, and then went on to work at a number of multinational companies. Um, And I became a group CFO of a global consultancy uh, a number of years ago now, and spent nearly 10 years with them on the board. And I think... I've just always loved mentoring my teams um, and people around me. It's just been something I've really enjoyed doing. And I think almost my philosophy on life is anything I learned, uh, I wanted to share. And I just really focused not just on my own development, um, my own development from a sort of self perspective perspective. And also from a work perspective. Um, and, and the sort of parts coming together meant I had a lot of experience and knowledge to share with people and help them progress in their roles.
0: It's fantastic. So how, how do you start mentoring somebody in your team? That doesn't feel like a, a natural conversation that would be sort of, hey, I want to mentor you. <laughs>
1: No, I think with your own teams, it's not as direct as that. I think with your own teams, you're there to support them and provide them the support and direction to get to where they want to be. Um, And I actually found the conversations in my own teams very, very honest because I saw them day in, day out and how they operated, where their strengths were, where the development points were. It actually made mentoring actually very easy and very direct. And I think because they knew I was coming from a place of support, um, they were very open to receiving it. Um, I I think I was also mentoring along the side on a voluntary basis for the Aspire Foundation, which was about matching women at the time in the commercial sector with women in the not-for-profit sector. And I actually helped a couple of um, uh, women who, who become CEOs of their charities. And that was so different. It was non-finance related. And I think that combination of mentoring was when I realised how much of a passion I had for it.
0: So as you you do that and start mentoring folks that don't have a finance background at all and are operating in the third sector, what sort of issues did you find were the, the, the common ones that you needed to talk about?
1: Yeah, there's two. There's two common ones which come up in any mentoring I do, whether that be for aspiring finance leaders, aspiring CFOs of CEOs of charities, um, even directors in in businesses. The, the two key ones are self confidence and and self esteem, and they're at the core of of all of the mentoring, and, and I I think that's my real passion to sort of allow people to try and overcome that um, and give them the confidence to believe in their potential because it's their lack of self-confidence or self-belief that's actually holding them back for everything they can achieve.
0: Now that's surprising because I I would have thought the sort of person who would become a CFO or would become a CEO would have bags of self-confidence.
1: Yes, I I would have agreed with you. And I think that that's something I I believed as well. Um, And even when I joined the board, um, I looked around me and I thought, oh, they're all they're all so much more confident than I am. Um, Inside, I didn't have the same confidence as I felt other people had. Um, But the more exposure I've had to senior leaders in business um, or, or, or in the not for profit sector, I realized that everyone has their own insecurities. Uh, <laughs> is this something
0: you might call imposter syndrome?
1: Yes, yes, that, that is a term for it. and And many people I start mentoring use that term quite early on. And they genuinely believe at that point, they don't, you know, they don't deserve to be where they are. And yet, of course, they do. I mean, they've worked really hard over a number of years and have so much knowledge and experience. Um, Of course, they deserve to be where they are. They're intelligent people. Um, And it's just about mapping that belief um, into what they can actually do in the role.
0: What, What sort of things would you do then practically to overcome that kind of challenge?
1: I I think the first point really is acknowledgement. Um, It's about people understanding that that's what's holding them back. And I do a lot of work on limiting beliefs. And, you know, someone might in their own mind think I'm not good enough. And I think that the good thing with a mentoring relationship is because you're going in like a trusted friend. I mean, that's a nice way of putting it, like a trusted friend um, and supporter. People are very open as to what they're feeling. So really the starting point is, how are you feeling? Um, And then I work with them on their strengths. Um, I get them to almost validate for themselves why they're they're so good, Um, why they deserve to be where they are. And one exercise I like doing is just to think back to all of the times in your life in whichever context uh, you felt really confident um, and to put, you know, to to describe that in your mind and then to actually replicate that in in future scenarios um, so that you can almost go back to a point in time where you felt really super confident um, and then use that when you step into a new situation.
0: Mm, Yeah, I love that idea. you, you spoke at the beginning of that about developing trust, and that, that must be a key part of this. How do you go about developing trust with that person that you, you're mentoring?
1: Yeah, it, it always starts with what, what's called like a chemistry call. So before any mentoring starts, there's a, you know, 30 minutes, one hour session, one on one, where you actually get to work out if if you and the mentee have the chemistry that's needed to move forwards. Um, so that's when I think the trust is first established, um, being able to know that you can work with this person and be very open. And the trust just builds over time, I mean it's a very confidential process, Um, nothing is shared outside of the session, Um, and it's just a really free-form time, really sort of um, time for yourself really as the mentee, to, to really have someone listen to you, actively listen to anything that you may be worried about, any concerns, any current issues. Um, and really, you know, as a mentor, I act as a sounding board. Um, and I can help them. I can bring in my own experience and knowledge and, and anything I've learned really uh, to help them. But it's about that sort of person realizing they can also get to their own answers with the right support. Um, and someone really supporting them and their progression but also their just general well-being as well
0: that that reflects something uh, a little phrase that i've picked up over the over time two ears one mouth use them in that proportion
1: (laughs) i haven't heard that one before
0: (laughs) Mm, yeah it sounds like you're doing an awful lot of listening there
1: yeah listening for me is 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 the key skill And and i mean conscious listening um It's not about being somewhere else. I mean, it's why, you know, you can't do mentoring session after mentoring session. I have to come in with a certain energy um, and and a real commitment to helping that person. Um, And and I have to be present, you know, that's the key skill. It's about being present and and listening. Um, And I I just hope my mentees can see that. And that's also where the trust comes from that, you know, they are my priority in, in that session and I will make them the priority, and if you think in life, how often in life does someone consciously and presently listen to you for, you know, an hour or 90 minutes?
0: Certainly doesn't happen very often. What, what's your process then, before you start a mentoring session, to, to get into the right mindset?
1: Well, I'm very... Um, <laughs> I, um, I love maintaining my own energy. It's it's something I I learned to do sort of over the years because I really believe, um, let's say any leader, but, you know, CFO in particular at the moment, it's such a key role in an organisation. You have to have your own personal energy and an ability to sustain yourself over the longer term. You know, everyone is busy all the time. And you've got to get the right balance in your life to maintain your own energy to keep moving forwards. Um, so I, I'm, a, I'm a very keen, uh, I do a lot of yoga. So I try and do that each morning. Um, and, and alongside walking, I really enjoy getting some fresh air and doing some walking each day as well. Um, but in that sense, making some time for myself to do some kind of activity, um, which is either good for me physically or, or good for me mentally as well.
0: You take on mentoring roles for CFOs these days. Yeah. Um, so what, what would that relationship look like? Is that something that would be a couple of sessions or would that be something that would go on over a longer period? How, how, what does that feel like?
1: Um, I mean, in some ways that that's completely up to the mentee. So it can be a very flexible arrangement, Um, you know, traditionally or or commonly, it's maybe at least six sessions um, and and sort of generally once a month. Um, So that would like be a sort of normal set of sessions. Um, Having said that, I have a programme of 12. um, So people could either have all 12 or they could have a selection of. um, What I find is though, I have enough structure to make sure I know what people need to know. You know, I've, I've been in that role. I've been a CFO. I understand the challenges and, and what I learned over the time, as in, as in the breadth of, of what needs to be done. Um, but I very much work on, you know, what is affecting someone at a point in time. So I, I don't apply a structured approach. I allow current issues to come into the session And I just engage with that and sort of work off that, um, which I think is what I find, you know, the sort of great challenge about it. I I don't sometimes know what's coming up, but I have like a toolbox of things that I can refer back to if I need to. Um, But fundamentally, because I've been there and, um, you know, I've been in that role and therefore I'm sharing what I've learned and it's very relevant to the people I'm mentoring. I, I can just adapt according to what comes up. So we, we
0: talked about that insecurity thing, about that not being good enough thing. Um, what other key issues do you do you find cropping up over a, a course of mentoring sessions?
1: Yeah, so, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you can sometimes get to CFO and um, <laughs> and, and start to believe that you can't ask for help or support, um, you know, you get to the board level and you, you feel like you should know everything, you know, you've been given the responsibility. So to almost ask for help doesn't feel a very natural thing to do. Um, so quite often it's, well, actually, what is strategy? you know, how how do I produce a financial strategy? Um, Can you please help me, you know, think this through? Um, Am I doing the right thing? So sometimes it's actually just pure validation of someone's own thinking process. Um, It's not bringing any like huge insights, but it's like, it's okay, you are doing the right thing. You are thinking the right way. And again, it's like building confidence in their thinking process and also in their decision making.
0: I guess some of that is to do with uh, the kind of route that an awful lot of CFOs have taken to get to that position. They've probably come up through um, being financial controller, head of finance, and very much in the back office doing numbers-based roles. And suddenly the, the whole world changes when you get to board level. And rather than just reporting numbers, you, you've you got to take a huge, huge involvement in strategy. So I, I can understand how suddenly you, you've got to a very senior level and then you're confronted with stuff you've never been asked to do before. Um, that's a tricky one. It's, it, it really is a big, big shift to do a whole load of stuff they never taught you to do to pass those accountancy exams years ago. And
1: yeah. So, well, well, you're becoming, you, you are having to suddenly think and act as a leader of your organization. And even if you'd had a title before, which was, you know, arguably a number one finance role, you still wouldn't have had that responsibility on your shoulders. And, you know, suddenly you're becoming a boardroom leader, um, an influential leader, an inspirational leader. Um, you've, you've gone from being fairly inwardly focused in, in finance, possibly quite data led, um, but really quite functional to being a a genuine leader of a wider business. And, um, and therefore it changes. You've got to be influential in the culture, um, creating that trust, being part of the vision of the organization and, um people are looking up to you in that role and they want to be inspired by, by what you're doing um, as well as the impact and input that you're having on the rest of the business as well.
0: I guess as well, you, you've been very much inward facing looking after the finance part of the business. When you're at board level, Um, There must be a tendency to to need to be much more outward focusing. There must be suppliers to talk to, customers to talk to, investors to talk to, and so on. Is is that something that you're commonly seeing as an issue?
1: yeah i mean as you say there's many many stakeholders um and and you do have to have the communication skills and really the presence and gravitas to to, to sort of manage and communicate with these stakeholders um there's, there's various different um when i say presentations you have to give but they've all got to be geared to a different audience um so it's not any more about just presenting financials. It's presenting yourself as a confident leader, um, and you know, producing insights that are relevant to that particular audience.
0: I guess that that means a major change in presentation style as well. You know, you're not turning up at the at the at the meeting and saying, "Oh well, here's this month's results. Here's the profit we made." Here's the the various cost issues we've got in the business, and mm. here's the variance analysis behind that. All the good stuff that we were taught when we passed our exams about <laughs> why why things are different from budget, and mm. you know a few accountants that have managed to bore the pants off their team by that sort <laughs> of thing. You're you're actually there trying to present to communicate a message and to tell a story. So that that's a very very different set of presentation skills so how easy is that to teach catherine
1: well i think it starts in my opinion anyway with with body language so um what, what i found actually was that quite often it wasn't what i said it was how i said it and, and what my body language actually gave away. Um, so, in fact, there were, there were many presentations maybe in AGM where, in fact, I, di- I didn't get any questions because actually my whole body language was very positive. You know, we'd had a good year. We had good results. Um, and that was all that people needed to know because you've got to give that almost faith for people that things are running OK. And, and that's where that the CFO has such an important role to play. Um, you know, there's no, we're very straight up in that sense. You know, things are good <laughs> um, or, or maybe not so good, but you've got to work out ways of um, showing that with your body language as well. So there are definitely tips for, for improving how you present yourself to an audience. Um, you know, even if it's as simple as, you know, your posture. And, and feeling possibly bigger than you do, so that, that comes across to the audience. And that's
0: that's an interesting one, and I, I've heard examples of of people almost putting themselves into a a character, um, avatar well, of themselves before they they get up on on the stage to do that kind of pres- presentation. So it's it's not them, but it's it's this alter ego of themselves that they've stepped into in order to do it is that is that something that, that rings true
1: yeah because you have to show up how people wish you to show up so <laughs> and this is why confidence is so important because people are looking to you in that cfo role to, to be the you know you're the financial conscience of a company Um, you know there's there's a lot of responsibility there you know for making sure the financial position of the company is fit for the current time and also for the future and um, so so people are looking for you to be who they wish you to be you know if if you approach situations and you know your body language is a bit slouched and you know maybe there's no smile or it's it's very inward um, people won't believe in what you're doing in the role and how you're looking after the organization
0: That's going to be very difficult to overcome, I would have thought, because that's that's built upon years and years and years of habit, the way you do things.
1: Ah, yeah, y- yes. Um, yes, but we all can change habits. Uh, I've actually just done a workshop on uh, changing habits. So you can change your habits um, as long as you identify the cue, you know, the thing that's actually driving that behaviour in the first place, which again is where mentoring comes in, because if you can acknowledge that that is something you're not, you don't feel so strong about, um, it's definitely an area where mentoring can help you.
0: Catherine it sounds like you do all sorts of things you just prepared a workshop on changing habits that doesn't sound like mentoring that sounds like uh you do a whole training world
1: <laughs> well I've been doing some um workshops for a mental health charity and um so a lot of the people on on the calls have um Uh, either anxiety or depression. So I I really enjoy sort of looking at at mental well-being. And um, yeah, so in this case, yeah, I've done a series of workshops, um, you know, around building confidence and self-esteem or changing habits or keeping calm and focused. So it's about allowing people to take small steps forward towards making them feel better or their lives to feel better and fuller. And I just, I I adapt them accordingly, depending on the audience um, and how far people want to go. You know, some people do have big visions about what they want to achieve. Other people are just trying to live a better life day to day. So I I really, well, I think what it comes down to, I enjoy teaching um, in whichever context that is, Um, whether it's one-to-one mentoring, which is, you know, a lot of my time or, or group mentoring, arguably through the training sessions.
0: Mm -hmm. which of those do you get most satisfaction from
1: Uh, both genuinely both actually Um, I I just have no um, I I honestly just feel now I'm very very happy in my life I feel like this this is really my purpose to to help people and and therefore you know whoever needs my help I'm willing to give it Um, so I I really it's definitely both Um, I, I love the process of seeing people I'm going to say transform. (laughs) Um, That's quite a big word. Um, But I love seeing that change in people. And that can happen so, so quickly. Um, So both in a workshop or in a one to one session, I can see the light almost coming on in people's eyes when they start to recognise what they're learning and how that can move them forwards.
0: I suppose what we should talk about here, we've got a a mentoring programme starting up within Grow CFO, haven't we? Mm -hmm. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about that, Catherine?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm very, very excited by this. Um, And um, we have future CFOs coming on to uh, the future CFO programme. Uh, there's also a second programme on, on first-time CFOs, and, and I can help both. And um, really, when you're looking at aspiring CFOs or future CFOs, it's really about providing them the support to, to achieve the goal they want to achieve, um, which is generally CFO, finance director. Um, and that can be in, in any time scale in a way, but something that's on the horizon. They can see it on the horizon, and they almost need to make the steps towards... Um, showing that they can deliver at that level. Um, when you're talking about people who are already a finance director or a CFO, it's then about providing the support to make sure they feel supported in their role, supported in their new responsibilities. Um, and it just complements the program because it can be, it's a very personal process. Um, and, and that's the thing, everyone is different. Everyone's gonna have their own strengths, their own weaknesses, um, their own things that they want to work on. And the mentoring can be very much geared to each of those individuals.
0: What, what's the process of working out what it is that, that each individual will want? How, how do you go about assessing that at the, the beginning of those yeah. sessions?
1: Well, mentoring is actually mentee-led, not mentor-led. So prior to um, the session starting, there will be a chemistry call, um, which is a one-to-one call. You know, if I was the mentor, it would be a one-to-one call with myself, um, where we would not only find out if there was the right chemistry and and the right connection to take that forward, there would also be a detailed discussion on the outcomes that were um, required from the mentoring and and you know to check that the mentor can always actually support the mentee to achieve their outcomes but that's where the process starts um, and then it goes into a slightly more detailed process around that person you know where they're at what their concerns are really going into detail around what support they may need and why um, and so that the sessions can be geared accordingly so even if they become very flexible and adaptable to current issues, by the end of the program the outcomes will have been achieved.
0: Brilliant and alongside that we've we've got lots of other resources haven't we? Um, there's a there's an online training course, well I'm saying online training course, there are multiple courses within um, there are two programs as you rightly said uh, future CFO and first-time CFO. There's an overlap of some of the material between both of those, but uh, what we're building as time goes on is a, is a big library of online courses. So if you want to find out something about strategy, well, there'll be a within that program, there'll be a strategy course. If you want to find out something about taking cost out your business, well, there'll be a course, a course on that. You can pick up as well as the mentoring sessions and We're also got cohort groups working where you you can work together with other people in your peer group and share experiences, share knowledge. And I I think that's really powerful. I put that together with some mentoring. I think there's a there's a really, really powerful package for that first time CFO.
1: Well, there's a brilliant balance between, as you say, the potential to have a one to one mentor or to have, you know, in effect, group mentoring, you know, with some kind of facilitation with the cohort groups. And um, in both scenarios, you know, as a mentor, you can act in the capacity of a sounding board, you know, bringing, you know, experience and knowledge in, but also challenging people to think in a different way. Um, And in both cases, they're both sort of gearing towards action. So, you know, really c- courage and therefore confidence actually comes from taking action. Um, it's not just about thinking things through. It's about takeaways and actions that people can implement to, to achieve their own personal outcomes.
0: That is absolutely spot on that it is about putting stuff into action. And mm. that's why this isn't just an online learning programme. No. Um, reading about something getting the theory about something is is way different to actually the practical steps you take to to implement it back in your own boardroom back with your own team with the wider business
1: yeah yeah so there are scenarios there are definitely scenarios in work which none of us will have ever come across i mean that's the excitement of working as a ceo a cfo sorry um you know you're you're growing a business Hopefully, um, and, and new things come up all the time. And you know, you need to think. There's not going to be a set answer for for that decision. Um, it's about thinking through all of the different factors um, and really coming to a decision yourself as to what fits comfortably with the direction that you wish to go in.
0: It and like you, I've I've worked as a consultant mm-hmm. over the years, and every time you go into a new client. It's a different problem. Yeah. Um, you'll have a toolkit in your back pocket and you don't just get the toolkit out and use it. Yeah. You've got to work out which bits of it you need to use, how to tweak it, how yeah. to apply it. Absolutely. And I, yeah. for me, that, that's the interesting bit about both consulting and coaching. It's, it's working out. It's kind of, you, you know, instinctively the sort of things you've got to do but it's how do you tailor them to that exact Mm. situation and that's what always keeps things fresh for me
1: Mm. and and if you don't if you don't mind me saying coaching is quite different from mentoring um in that i mentoring is very much about and i think this is why we're we're focusing a lot on mentoring it's because you can actually bring in people experienced in that particular field um, so we're looking at, you know, experienced CFOs, mentoring, you know, aspiring and, and first time CFOs. Um, coaching can be done by someone who is not a CFO or who has not been in that position. Um, I think what I like to do in mentoring is bringing some elements of coaching, um, because I, d- I do believe there are some good and challenging questions which really get people to think. Um, but mentoring does allow the experience to come into the sessions. Um, which is quite separate from coaching, which is really quite question led.
0: Um, I think one of the strengths we've got in Grow CFO is actually we've, we've got enough people to mm. give us a good mixture of both. Yeah. And you know, you could be mentoring somebody and they could come up with a, a specific problem. Um, for instance, it could be a, a CFO thinking for the first time about, well, how do I put performance dashboard together? Mm. Oh, go talk to Kevin, he put the methodology together for PwC. So you're mentoring, I could be coaching.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and I think that's one of the advantages of, of the team that we have is that we all understand each other's uh, skills and, and background and therefore we're not going to try and take it for ourselves. It's about putting the, the mentee or the person with the right person that can support them um, which is why understanding the outcomes that each person wants to achieve is so key up front um, so they can be paired with with the right people who've had the right experience.
0: Absolutely. So, Catherine, I suppose one question comes up at this point. That if you want a mentor, how do you find out more?
1: <laughs> um, well, I, I hope we're going to sort of share, you know, the, the mentors that we have that are available for for the programme. And um, I, I think the first thing, in my view, is to take advantage of a free, and it is a free chemistry call, um, because in that sort of even 30 minutes, you can find out how mentoring can be beneficial to yourself. And, um, and actually even look on, you know, some of our, you know, look at our testimonials and, and things from what people have said about the mentoring that we've done in the past and see the benefits that people are getting from, you know, really getting the support to reach their potential. Um, I, I look at this, I haven't got numbers, but if you think of the value of of someone's time if you get the right support at the right time you will accelerate how you feel and and how confident you feel and how well and how much value you bring to that company and for every hour that you don't get that right support it is costing you and and the organization Um, you're not in the right place to you know bring your full potential to the table and, and because I believe in, you know, having a really good balance in life, again, if if you're stressing about something or something doesn't feel comfortable, every hour that that's happening is away from something you may enjoy. It could be family time or an activity that you enjoy. So my, my view is just <laughs> I, I really do support um, because I've had them myself in the past, uh, the support and the mentorship to, to just accelerate you to where you want to be at a quicker pace um, you know, take the knowledge from someone. Don't, don't feel alone. You know, need, we need to put it that way,
0: Catherine, this, this, isn't, this is a no-brainer almost.
1: Oh, that's how I see it. But.
0: I, you, nearly everybody's in the position that uh, they don't know what they don't know. Mm-hmm. And Correct. Somebody else that can just push you a little bit further along that road, just that yeah. bit quicker. It yep. has to be a win-win to everybody.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I, I, could, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, I've been lucky over the years to have people who've done that for me. So I guess it's my giving back, really. It's, um, yeah, why not? It, it's it's something I enjoy. I, I love doing. Um, I love seeing people's progression and, their, and you know, their development. Um, and why not take what someone else has learned over the time? And, you know, fundamentally, particularly the role of CFO, it's very much geared to you know, driving value for your organisation. So why not drive value quicker than you could do otherwise?
0: And I always think there's a case of people, in general, not investing enough in themselves. You know? And yeah. Think about, for instance, how much do you spend in your typical working week? Okay, I know we've we've all been in lockdown and things mm. like this, but in a normal situation, how much do you spend in a typical week on going into Costa or Starbucks for a cup of coffee or things like that, add that number up, work out what it comes to over a year. And I challenge you to say, are you spending as much time on your personal development as you are on your coffee drinking habit? And if the answer is no, you need to do something about it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, it's in terms of investment, I, I do believe when you look at the, yeah, it's a very small investment for what I believe you can gain. And, you know, if you looked at it purely financially, um, it becomes such a tiny proportion of your future earnings. If you look at it purely financially, um, let alone if you actually look at the the benefits to your yourself, really. I mean, you want to sort of show up as your best self I mean that's surely the goal um, to be able to show up how you wish to show up really and if you're not quite in that place then what's the gap and how can someone support you to get there um, but in that place you, the fulfillment is so much it's so much stronger um, I know it's a bit cliche in a way but I just think you've got to enjoy the journey um, you know, even even an outcome, like, you know, getting a board position is still part of a journey. You know, it keeps going on and, you know, why not enjoy it? I think that's my, my, my philosophy anyway, is just enjoy that progress and that progression and that responsibility. You, you're in a really powerful position to make a big difference.
0: Totally, totally agree, and it's something that certainly over the last few years I've come to learn. Was always been some goal somewhere further down the path, and it's never, it's always felt as though well, never quite reached that goal yet, never quite reached yeah. that goal, and there's always something. Oh well, it'll be all right when we get there.
1: Yeah.
0: But now enjoy the journey.
1: And it to feel
0: as the final destination.
1: And it has to feel authentic to you. I really strongly believe in creating leaders and and great leaders that are authentic and themselves. And so many people believe they have to change who they are to fit into a role. I I don't believe that. Um, You've got to be yourself and that's where you'll be at your best.
0: So that's a great note to end on. (laughs) Quote that back to me again. You've got to be yourself
1: to to be, be your best. best, yes. Wow, that is just something that came to me. I haven't, that's not, <laughs> yeah, you have.
0: So, <laughs> no, um, we'll put some details in the show notes of how to contact Catherine, how to contact uh, Dan Wells if you want to take mm. mentoring further forward personally. Um, we'd love to chat with you and whatever. And you can go and join the Grow CFO portal free at growcfo.net and join the community there's another couple of thousand of cfos or potential cfos in there and it costs nothing to be part of that big community and you get into some very very interesting discussions and take it from there there's no commitment to go and spend more to start with on things like mentoring online learning or so on just come along and be part of the community and join in so catherine thank you very much that has been a super podcast thank you Mm -hmm.
1: Thank you, Kevin. It was really enjoyable. Thank you.